This is Citizen the Pod with your girl Kina Zantel. Get your weekly plug into today's news, politics, and culture. Join me every week as I give you the rundown on popping topics and put you on game. Get woke with me. What's up, citizens, patriots, voters? I have not spoken to you guys since before the midterm election back on November 6th, and I am here to tell you that I am so very proud of all of you. I'm so very proud of the work that we did to get the vote out. Like, I think we did exceptional for a midterm election. So I want us to keep the same energy as we start rolling into the surge 2020. You know, I picked a great name, right? Um, but anyway, I want to get into this because I just feel like there's so much going on. Like the midterms ended The president got upset and fired his attorney general and then replaced that person with a political crony who has already pretty much made it clear that he doesn't believe that the Mueller investigation is a legit one. So, you know, we're kind of living in a land of limbo. There have been rumors that the president might decide to shut down the government if he doesn't get funding on his wall. But he's a political idiot because, well, let me tell you, on November 6th, I mean, the Democrats came to not play no games and independents came out. They weren't playing any games and March for Our Lives had millennials rolling into the polls just like not playing no games. So again, I just want to say, did we, did we show out? Did we show out on November 6th? Yes, we did. So let me break it down with a good feel good story, right? Because I have so many, right? So number one, Lucy McBath. Now, if you listened to my surge into the polls Surgeon to the Midterms episode. Let me tell you something. Your girl picked some winners. Like, if you weren't paying attention to that episode, but then listened to it after and then Googled the names of the people that I mentioned, I mean, we were just out here winning that night. So first, I'm just going to start with Lucy McBath, Georgia 6, taking that seat from Karen Handel. That was a seat that was held by Newt Gingrich. He is the father of the modern day Republican Party. And he held that seat for, I believe, 20 years. Then Swamp King, bro, he held that seat. Scott Pruitt held that seat for 12 years. And here's Lucy McBath, a gun sense reform advocate coming through telling a genuine story to constituents and winning that seat like this is Georgia people that was already like a major major state in play because I'm sure everyone followed the details of were we going to get a runoff election for Stacey Abrams in Georgia which we didn't get but I'll get to a little later but it's just her story 
and her win and the win of all of the candidates that I chose to talk about during that episode was because they were genuine candidates. They had a real message. They had a real story. They had things that were important to them and they were able to effectively communicate that to constituents. That is what I call effective campaigning. See, when you're a genuine person, people will recognize that and give you an opportunity. So where the Democratic Party is flawed still is when they decide that they need to pick candidates based on a certain mold. You have to be this. You have to be that. You have to have this certain pedigree. You've got to have this certain look in order to get votes in a certain community. And that's really not what people are looking for. We have seen candidate after candidate in districts across this country, Republican, Democrat, Independent, who have changed who they are in order to fit into a mold, in order to make themselves electable. And this midterm season should have proved that electability is a thing of the past. Who that person genuinely is. You think we would have won as paying attention to Obama. But there were things about him that made him a perfect politician. That's a whole nother episode. Electability is a thing of the past. And are you willing to go out there and show people who you really are because you want to serve? So Lucy McBath is one of those candidates. She is a winner because of that. Candidates matters, right? Abigail Spamberger in Virginia, she actually took the seat Eric Cantor held, and she was an interesting candidate. That was a Republican-leaning seat. Eric Cantor, he was the darling of the Republican Party. Like, him and Paul Ryan were definitely were the folks that were going to be considered presidential candidates moving forward. They were going to take the Republican Party into the future. But a Tea Party candidate came and took that seat away from him. What I respect about the Tea Party is those candidates did what Democrats did this year. They were genuine. They had a story. They had things that they wanted to get done. And they were able to call out politicians on their crap and win seats that they were not supposed to win. So the fact that a seat went from Eric Cantor to a Tea Party candidate to a Democrat in four years is an exceptional flip. Well, what did Abigail Spamberger do? She spoke to what her community wanted. Okay, she was a fierce, a fierce advocate for the for Obamacare, for protecting pre-existing conditions in a district that was made up of a lot of middle class, a lot of suburban, college-educated women who were living real lives with real children, with real family members who were getting sick. And she didn't let up on that. And she didn't allow the Tea Party candidate to label who she was, she went out there and she showed people who she was and what she was going to fight for. And now we have a Democrat in a seat that was held by Eric Cantor, then a Tea Party candidate, and now a Democrat. Listen, if the Democratic Party does not hear what the people are saying, 
then we are not going to win in 2020. We want candidates with the conviction of Bernie Sanders, Andrew Gillum, Stacey Abrams, Beto O'Rourke, real people who are going to go out there and fight for real issues and not sugarcoat it. They're not going to say one thing to one group and then 20 minutes later say a different thing to a different group. Well, one, because social media doesn't allow you to play those games anymore. So you better just be yourself. And that's what they were. Even though we got some losses in there, the trickle down effects of those races The infrastructure, the organizations that have been put into place in states like Florida, Texas, and Georgia make a serious dent in the changing tide that the Koch brothers, the Mercer family, and the conservative right, the far right, they see us coming. And don't get it twisted, they will do everything they can to stop us. But we're on a mission. There is a plan. There is a path to victory. And I need to see us continue on it. That's why we surging into 2020. So let's keep going. So how many seats did we take? Democrats took control of the House, people. I mean, flip one, Trump done. We already know we're going to get some investigations out of this. We took 39 seats, okay? We took 39 seats. Not only that, we took seven governor ships okay seven so when i talked about that good constitutional convention thing going down and how at one point the republicans had the majority of the governors and almost the majority of the state legislators legislatures baby they don't know more we did our job okay i feel like i've been sending out a vibe to people doing this podcast i'm hoping that they're listening but we We just did good. We just did great. I mean, we took 337 state legislative seats. We took seven state houses and created three trifectas. What's a trifecta? Kina, what's a trifecta? Well, a trifecta is when we have a Democratic governor state and a Democratic state legislator in both chambers, Senate and the House. I mean... Let's be real. The New York State Senate is now democratically controlled after pretty much 40 years of Republican control. I mean, the people spoke. You couldn't tell New Yorkers nothing this year. We were on it. So I'm just like so excited because I know it's now time for us to hold New York accountable and that governor accountable. So if we don't see criminal justice reform, if we don't see... Probably marijuana legalization. If we don't see codifying Roe versus Wade, if we don't see a raising the minimum wage, New Yorkers, we're going to be out here holding them accountable because there is no excuse. But we also have something beautiful because the Senate majority leader is a black woman. I mean, it's majority leader. Andrea Stewart Cousins. When I worked in the Senate, she was just this sweet, wonderful, compassionate woman, but she just had so much force behind her. And to now see her elevated to majority leader is 
mind-blowing. So for all women of color in New York, I mean, we got somebody in the room that represents us, that knows that where she is is bigger than who she is. So I'm just like praying for her, praying for her staff, praying for this state, because we can get some real things done. We can really be the progressive beacon that that is New York. So I'm excited. Just some states that we won in and no one expected us to win in, right? Michigan, Wisconsin, Kansas, Maine, New Mexico, Nevada, like Dems won in those seats. The Republicans are really feeling some kind of way. Like we picked up state chambers in Colorado, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, New York. It's just going down. Like they weren't ready for us at all. Like, and we still got work to do though. Because in 2020, we need to, we're going to be defending Doug Jones's seat in Alabama. Susan Collins is on the chopping block in Maine. I'm hoping that we get a strong Democrat to run against her. McCain's seat in Arizona. Come on, McCain's seat in Arizona is up for grabs in two years. And I didn't even mention that we took that state, we took the Senate seat from Arizona on, on midterm. November 6th like we took that seat like Arizona was a safe seat that is Jeff Flake's seat we took that seat and you know I am a little sad though on Tuesday we did lose the Mississippi Senate seat to Hyde Smith the Mike Espy Hyde Smith battle we lost it to a straight up racist so that just lets us know that there is work for us to do in Mississippi because I'm sure that those people are voting against their own best interests. So we need to make sure that in two years, four years or six, I'm not sure they might have a Senate seat up in two years, but we need to make sure that we start mobilizing everywhere. Like that mantra that we had this year needs to expand itself in Mississippi. We know that because unfortunately we have a senator that's a disgrace who if if at any time there's a senator that thinks making light of public lynchings is appropriate to even say in 2018, we still got work to do and we knew this and we're working towards it. So another thing I want to mention is 100 women are going to be in the House of Representatives next year. Okay, ladies, like we did not come to play around with you. Like we did not come to play around. You know, was this a straight up Trump shellacking? I mean, we took some big losses. I mean, we we lost the big ones and we should we should definitely talk about it. I mean, we lost to Ted Cruz in Texas. Our boy Beto lost, and I feel like he only lost by two points. Andrew Gillum, I believe, lost by 50,000 votes. I believe that Stacey lost her race by two or three points. Let me see. Okay, so I think I need to backtrack. First of all, we didn't win Arizona. I think we won Nevada. I think Kristen Sinema 
lost, but not by a lot. So I want to take that back. I want to make sure I'm giving you guys accurate information. I'm just going down my notes, making sure I'm not missing anything. But I don't have a number here, but not by a lot. Um, but listen to this. The Green Party candidate took 38,000 votes. So that lets you know. Third parties, yo. Y'all really just be out here, like, screwing some stuff up. We need to figure out how we can work together. And because unfortunately, we have a two party system. And I understand that there is a need for us to have more choice in party. I agree with you. Um, but we need to figure out a way to work together right now in a serious two party system with a president who's crazy. And I'm knowing, I know that my listeners are like, girl, yeah, you're right. <laughs> we got to get it done. Anyway, so Beto only lost by 2.6 percentage points. I mean, no Dem in that state has ever even came that close, like ever, like ever. But because he was out there in Texas killing it, they won 11 seats in the Texas House. Do you hear, do you hear what I'm saying? Democrats flipped 11 seats in the Texas House. And I also think we got a congressional representative out of Houston. So... I'm feeling like Texas for the win. Beto created an organization that will definitely move us into 2020. And he has a bright future. And he can easily run for Senate or Congress in two. Like, do you not understand? Like, the game don't stop. We are already in election season. We are already in presidential election season. Like, anybody who's running for president right now is creating their you know, the people for Kamala Harris, the people for Andrew Gillum, friends of blah, 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 election committees, fundraising committees, because the game don't stop. And 20 and Trump has a target on his head. Gillum, we were hoping he was going to a runoff. He only lost his seat, that governorship to DeSantis by 55,000 votes. And let me keep this one. Let me think. Let me let me tell y'all something about how special Gillum was in Florida. Florida passed legislation on the ballot or passed a ballot initiative that will allow a million men of color who were formerly incarcerated or and or felons to vote. Let me break. Let, let, do, you, do you hear what I'm saying? The man only lost by 55,000 votes, but a million people are now eligible to register to vote. And let's be real. We know what felons from Florida look like. OK, they look like me. They look like they look people of color, men of color, black and brown men are now eligible to vote. And we sitting here worried about Andrew. I mean, it's baby steps, honey. It's baby steps. We have to create long-lasting coalitions. We can't drop the ball like we did after we won, after Obama took the presidency in 2018. We got complacent. We sat down and we let them spend money and ride, ride a narrative that was able to literally halt this man's agenda. This is an ongoing fight to protect our families and our livelihoods and to make this country awesome. So I'm going to keep going. Um, we didn't get an Abrams-Kemp runoff, but what 
upset me about him is that it's just crazy to me that we still live in a society that allows our right to vote to be taken away from us. Like there are legislatures willing to create exact match laws and voter purge laws that are willing to just take your right to vote away from you. We cannot sit on the sidelines about politics and just be like, oh, I'm going to just let that person over there do it for me. We cannot. That's how we got Trump in the office. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Um, in Georgia, Stacey has been a champion of voter rights and fighting against the establishment already. Before running for office, she was al- she had already created an organization who was already suing Brian Kemp for doing a poor job. And I want to know in states like Florida, why have we not created that same mechanism? Where is the strategy? Because without that, without a consistent voice, we are going to continue to lose. Like Stacey said during her speech, I am not going to concede because this was not an honorable win. He did not win because all votes were counted and everyone had the right to make a decision. He won because he played games and kept people from going to the polls. It makes no sense that we had polling locations who had already showed that they were going to have larger than usual turnouts who were still stuck with two machines and one broke the day of an important election. The same thing in Florida. How is it that we had an entire hanging Chad controversy back in 2000, but voters in Broward County and West Palm Beach counties, votes could have easily not been counted because folks weren't, folks dropped the ball in being consistent with their outrage. I mean, they had a judge that wasn't willing to count a county's votes because they were two minutes behind in getting their vote count to them. I want answers. I want to see an email chain. Listeners, when you're at work and you're working on a project and someone is dropping the ball in that project, what do you do? You send an email to the group like, hey, uh, I just want to know what is the status on this part of the project? Anything I can do to be helpful, please let me know. We calling it out because we're not going to take the blame or the fall for somebody else dropping the ball. And I feel like that same energy needs to be used in Florida. Like, where are you? Where is the email paper train? Where is the official letters on letterhead from these district leaders saying, we are requesting new ballot boxes, new ballot machines, more workers at our polling locations because of XYZ. And when someone doesn't listen to that letter, it's time to get a lawyer and it's time to go and fight the decision to ignore it. I am going to be creating a pack that is going to fund projects like that. I will be giving you guys details in the future, but I think it's important to have the funds 
to be able to combat these issues all across the country. And I think it's important that millennials who are willing to go out and vote need to stay up on what's happening when they also suppress it, right? So stay tuned for that announcement. But we learned so much from the midterm election this year. And I think that one thing that we learned is that, oh, when we mad, we go hard, okay? We go hard because turn up, the turn up and the turnout was exceptional. So I just want to run down quickly my list of candidates who won and who will be in Congress in January because I'm just so excited for these women. So I mentioned Lucy McBath. I'm so excited for her. I also mentioned in that episode Ayanna Presley from Boston who is going to be joining the gang 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 okay the gang of women who are going to be walking into congress in january ready ready to stir it up um johanna hayes from connecticut she's going to stir it up we got lauren underwood the youngest african-american to be elected to congress out of illinois nurse She's going to go and put a band-aid on some mess. I'm excited for her. And our two Muslim-American sisters, Ilan Omar, Somali-American from Minnesota. She's just she's going to go shine her light. And Rashida Talib from Michigan. She's going to go shine her light. So I am just, I'm so excited for women. I'm so excited for this country and the direction it's going in. I'm so excited for young people who have gotten engaged. There is still work to do, but I'm here for it. And I'm hoping that all of you are going to be tuning in to Citizen the Pod and joining the surge 2020 because we really we can really do this we can really create a country that is going to fund education and really give us an opportunity to level up a country that's going to give us background checks for every gun purchase for a country that's going to address the criminal justice ills that is going to fight for the poor. We can really be a beacon of hope despite what's happening in the White House today. So I'm just I'm just in a I'm in a positive place. I did a an event on election night co-hosted by my majority leader, April Baskin. And the the Urban League Young Professionals, which is an awesome organization for young professionals in the community to gain access to information regarding business development, continuing your education, entrepreneurship, and just mentors and helping you reach your goals. So I am just so grateful to the legislator's office and YP for being a part of that event. 
We had it at Senor Tequila, which is a awesome Mexican spot in downtown Buffalo. Listen, people, the margaritas, the tequila, and the tacos was $3. So, you know, I was happy. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Like, bring on the caravan because I just feel like our Mexican brothers and sisters just bring so much to this country. Just like every other South American Latina immigrant, just like every African and Caribbean immigrant, and just like every European immigrant, they bring something to this country that always makes us better. Middle Eastern too. I'm not even, I'm not leaving them out. I'm not, listen, I was never for the Muslim ban. Let's be real. When you leave this country, all my traveling listeners, they actually think we're dangerous. Like they hear more about what we got going on, shooting everything up, than we only hear snippets. They hear about what's going on over here. They ask us, is it dangerous? Because we're just walking around with guns all willy-nilly getting upset and deciding to shoot it up. Like, I am in a good space. I mean, I'm going to definitely have footage from the event I did on election night because I've definitely sat down and talked to some young professionals and some voters. That'll be a bonus episode. I am so grateful for everyone who tuned in to this show and rocked out with me and listened to me rant during this midterm election season. Um, I appreciate you and all of your feedback. I appreciate everyone who voted. You know, I love my patriots. I love voters because one simple thing you can do to change your community and you did it. And that's all I really ask. So I'm grateful to you. I know 2019 is about to be off the chain and there's going to be so much to talk about. So I know I'll be back sometime during Black History Month, you know, bring it back to talk to y'all about how we going to roll into 2020 because I mean, we got to get ready. Um, There should be a website launching soon where you can hear more about what I'll be doing for 2019, um, how you can get involved how you can get involved in my pack or super pack. I'm not really sure. I need to I need to work those things out. That's going to be focused on putting pressure and putting funds towards creating an inclusive voting environment in states that have been purposefully keeping us from the polls. Um, You know, my target is Florida. Like I just cannot, I cringe at the idea of an election in 2020 and all the votes not being counted out of Broward County. That blows my mind and I cannot allow it to happen because we flipped one. Trump's agenda is pretty much done and it's now time to dump Trump. It's time to dump Trump. I already know he's going to give me just a handful of nonsense and shenanigans to talk about. He already has. I didn't even spend this episode talking about everything this man is doing. Oh, I want to shout out Hakeem Jeffries, congressman out of Brooklyn, who got voted into a leadership position in the House of Representatives. I mean, that's 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 hot. 
Like he made a play. He knows how to make some, he knows how to make a move the right way. He saw the tide of young leadership um, coming into Congress and knew that he had to pick a strategic seat to run for and he did and he won. So congratulations, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries. Um, I'm sure my next episode I'll have is like official title. I don't feel like Googling it, but guys, we did it. Was it a blue wave? A lot of people ask me. My argument to you is yes, because again, we created the, we lost some, we lost our three biggies, but we created the infrastructure and the ballot initiatives and the organizations needed to really bring the smack down in 2020. So I'm excited because they are not ready for us. This is a movement. I would say that it's bigger than the Democratic Party because the candidates that won these elections weren't the status quo. They weren't who the party would. They weren't who the party originally picked to take these seats. Like we were literally unseating incumbents this year. The party did their job after the primaries and making sure that we, our candidates got the funding that they needed. But this was a people win. Like this was a grassroots people, people powered win. So yes, I think that the blue wave was real. Maybe it was a blue thunderstorm because, you know, sometimes April showers bring May flowers. So maybe we just brought enough rain down to create something that that's going to blossom into something beautiful. I'm just totally excited about the future. Um, One thing I think we need to definitely keep in mind, though, is we need to figure out how to engage this Latino vote. Despite Trump's rhetoric, Latino voters voted for Republicans pretty decently, especially in Florida. Not saying that they don't share, you know, the values of Republican candidates, which some of them do. So, you know, I'm not going to knock that. But I still feel like there is, uh, there are definitely states where those votes are not, those voters aren't being engaged. I think that we need to start engaging them because I would also like to see more Latino representation. So, you know, it's not really, they can be Republican, but I still want to see Latino representation. You know, I think that there are, and I think the win in Nevada was definitely on the backs of Latino voters coming out. You know, we've, we've got some work to do in that area. We cannot, you know, leave our Latinx brothers and sisters alone. And immigration is not the only topic that's important to them. That's, it's not. Um, And the same thing can be said about African-American voters and Asian voters and our Indian voters. I mean, and we're sending, I think, two Native American women to Congress this year. I mean, come on, ladies. Come on. We was out here doing our thing. There's just so much. There's so much to be happy about and excited about. I am going to leave you guys with. Follow your light. Be the light. Follow your follow your light. Turn your light on. Just you being you is going to be so impactful to someone and you're not even going to know it. You know, if you're out there thinking, well, who am I? You're somebody and we need you and I want to hear from you. 
I want to hear from you. I know that there are people who care um, deeply about their communities, about their families. And if you only care about one person, that's enough, babe. That's that's enough. Like, do everything you can to protect that person. Be that person to that person because they need you. I'm signing off this thing with love and gratitude. The Surge 2020, baby, it's a movement. If we can send 100,000 men and women to war, we can send 100,000 men and women to vote. And we can register 100,000 new voters. So being a patriot does not stop for any of us. Register somebody to vote. Make sure your young crew, your 18-year-old cousins who graduate from high school in May and June of next year are registered to vote. Let's make sure that, you know, if you're in a state that allows you to vote by mail, that your whole crew is registered and they get a ballot in the mail. We've got local elections next year. I mean, come on. It's school board. It's council races. It's judges. It's is district attorneys, it's county races, you know, your city council, your county legislators, your committee men. This bureaucracy is something thick. Like our founding fathers created something that was intricate and awesome so that power couldn't just be taken over by like dynasties and corporate monopolies and like rich people who just don't give a damn right like they made it so that you have an opportunity to participate in every aspect of it like let that sink in like breathe it in like baby pick pick your thing and be a part of this like that's all I ask you know well no all I ask is for you to do is vote but if you want to do more you're going to be able to go to my website and find out how you can do more and how I'm going to be able to support you and be a part of your development in this thing called politics. So again, it's the Surge 2020, baby. It's Citizen The Pod. It's your girl, Kina Zantel, signing off with love. Turn your light on, boo. Thanks for listening.